and welcome to the fifth episode of Abernethy Archives. We never thought we would get this far. Not me. Um, <laughs> this is the podcast of the Museum of Abernethy, where we talk to people and each other about old stuff to do with the Museum of Abernethy. We'll also talk a bit about the problems faced by we museums and how we are trying to address them. Things like funding, volunteers, outreach and accessing resources museums like us need. I'm Irene Halliburton. I'm joined today by Anna and Hello. our producer, Katie Gordon. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about our history-related New Year's resolutions, volunteer recruitment and retention, some bits and pieces from our church collection, Mary Queen of Scots Chair, and of course, Tommy. Our special guest today is um, Bassadog Miho, who is a very good boy, but might chip in occasionally if he feels that he has something to contribute. Or if the postman arrives. Or if the postman arrives. Or we open the B I S C U I T S. Snacks. We all like snacks. We do. So, what? Let's go. History-related New Year's resolutions. What were you thinking? <sighs> to be honest, when it comes to me, because I'm doing my PhD, my life is history, and I just have to keep on keeping on. Uh, I've got my upgrade on Thursday, so hopefully they'll go, yes, you're not talking a load of bollocks, you can continue which will be a, a good day indeed. It certainly will. We um, shall do celebrating. Yeah. Um, we usually do. Do you know, I was, I was thinking actually last night about the concept of resolutions. Mm. And everyone seems very caught up that it's about self-sacrifice and in the darkest, coldest, most miserable post-Christmas month of the year, mm. giving up cake, etc. Oh, no, you should I, never do that. No. I think resolutions should be more be about finding something that will make your life better. Yeah. It, so, for example, one of my resolutions is to continue to eat cake. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. Cake. Have and chips at every opportunity. Cake. Do you know, yeah. if, you're, if you do know how if, if dieting and exercising is your thing, great. Why would you start it in January when it's cold and miserable? You know, that's when you need that extra layer. You do. Um, but how does that relate to history, Anna? I'm still thinking that one through. Okay. Um, come back to me. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, then you did say that you're looking at podcasts and maybe looking at getting into podcasts. That's true. So that could That's relate. True. Mm-hmm. It could, yes. Will they make my life better? I don't know. They might. Um, I have recently just started podcasts because I've been start. I've been getting the bus, been getting the bus to university because it works out cheaper than taking my car. Um, and I thought I get bus bus. No, I get the electric bus, which is lovely and civilized. Ember buses, we love you. Yes. Give us some sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Ember buses, wonderful. I thought, well, I've got forty-five minutes, so an hour and a half each day on the bus. Um, I should really, and it's almost like a Mm warm-up for going into uni for the day and doing intellectual things. Um, so I thought, you know, if I could get some self-improvement, uh, so I've been listening to two podcasts that I've listened to, um, one of them, uh, Things the British Stole, which is, I think is an Australian Broadcasting Corporation production, um, very good. Um, is it controversial to point out that 
British kind of stole Australia. Oh, yeah, also. I think the, the British did steal Australia. And they did talk about that yeah. in, in one of the episodes. But they cover things like the Benin Bronzes and the um, the, Parth- the marbles from the Parthenon, formerly known as the Elgin Marbles. Um, but no, it was really good, really mm. interesting. And they talked to people sort of from the countries that things were stolen from, and there's all sorts of repatriation efforts going on. Um, so that really interesting. And the new one I've started, which I think most people will enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think certainly I when people say philosophy, you kind of go, oh God, thinking about thinking. Yeah. Um, That's hard. It's really hard. And I'm not someone who's ever really thought much about thinking. I'm much more a practical thinker. Yes. Um, But it's... So this is one called Philosophize This. And it started probably about 10 years ago. So I've gone right back to the beginning. So I'm still on Aristotle and all Plato and all these kind of guys. I'm right right back at the beginning of the classical philosophers. But the gentleman who does it, whose name I can't remember just now... um, has a nice voice to listen to and he's mm. quite humorous and is really good at relating their kind of philosophical principles to everyday life. Mm. Um, and it's certainly given me some things to think about for writing my PhD thesis as well. So. Cool. So I, yeah, I've never been a podcast person, mm. but I think, give it a go. What, what would you think, like, if the museum, if the building could talk, what would its resolutions be for the year? Ooh. Big question. You right throw that one at me. Yeah. Throw that one at me. The building, I think, is probably really pleased with what we've done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a second lease of life. Yeah. And it, yeah. I think everyone... You, you were saying that a resolution doesn't necessarily have to be something that's self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. It can be a decision made to change something. Mm-hmm. It can be a decision made to try something you've never tried before, to not necessarily become something completely different, but you know, to make little mm. changes. Evolve. <laughs> to evolve, that's yeah. The word. And I think that's what the building's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a buyer, it's been a garage, it's been a museum for the past 24 years. So I think the building is probably just keen to to keep evolving, to keep Mm. serving the community, which is definitely what it's doing now. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what were your thoughts on that? I hadn't had any, and thought I could <laughs> so deflect you just that whole through line that of conversation question. by throwing it to you. Yeah, yeah, you made me think about that. That was that was a bit sneaky, sorry. Yeah, but I also think it, if the building had a resolution, it would maybe be to be utilised more. Ah, mm. nice or in segue. New and different ways. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things as kind of newer trustees of the museum, we definitely want to try and make the museum more of a community space. Mm -hmm. So I know, you know, we've been trying to run more activities for kids. Um, The space is a bit tight. Mm. So offering it as a venue is difficult. 
Um, but we do, we, we kind of use it for yeah. meetings for things that aren't to do with the museum. And we've been doing a bit more work with other organisations mm. in, in the village as well yeah. to try and bring everyone together and maybe think outside the box a bit. You mm. don't have to be, you know, just in one place. You could maybe hold your, the hold your event in a different space or, mm-hmm. you know, get more I, people involved to help with teas and coffees. And Well, this, this is what one of the things I was going to say. I think we've... The museum is now reaching out a little bit Abernethy is a really small community and everybody you know there is there is no place for one big thing mm. but different people have different interests so you end up with lots of little things and if these little things can work together yes and you know just communicate and do each other little bits of favours and just everyone work together yeah know, yeah it's I think good. that's that's definitely yeah. the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'd like to see used more, I think, is the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, there are opportunities there for... I mean, we've used it for kids' workshops. We've done... Um, and cast plant, makes it lovely. Yeah, the garden's summer. great. You know, it's fantastic. So we've, we've done little plant things and stuff like that outside... But I think there's possibly also space for things in the summer, like art workshops. and um, We've got a humanist celebrant in the village. Oh, wow. Um, who actually, I think, was a trustee at one point, years ago, Rachel. Um, and I'd quite like to speak to her about maybe using the garden in the summer for some of her things that she does. She does women's circles and things. Um and it just brings people in for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, and that, I'm going to kind of go on to the volunteer thing here. Go for it. Um, that sounded very serious. Yeah, but I think it all connects in. Yeah. So we can't just go, we need volunteers, come in and do this, do exactly what we tell you to do. The volunteering thing, especially in a small community like this, has to work both ways. Yes. Um, so we need to get something. But... We, it's much better to offer to speak to the volunteers to see what interests them yeah what, what would they like because not everybody I mean we periodically well at least annually we put out a little appeal mm-hmm. for if anyone is interested in volunteering get in touch with us we can have a chat blah 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 and I think historically people have maybe associated volunteering at the museum with being on the front desk and mm-hmm. doing the meet and greet and chatting to visitors and all this. And having and to that's, be knowledgeable about the entire yeah, museum. And that is hugely, hugely important. And mm-hmm. fair play to our, our volunteer crew, they yeah. know their stuff. But it's not the only thing. And if, if someone is interested in volunteering and has an interest in history or a particular period of history... Um, you don't have to be on the front desk. No. There is so much going on in the background. You know, if, if you like organising events, we've got loads of that going on. We can teach you a little bit about conservation techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, proud of myself because I get conservation and conversation mixed up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> we can also teach you about conversation techniques because I don't think anyone would argue that Irene and I could talk the hind legs off a no. donkey. Especially when we start talking about local history. Yes, and, and um, people have yeah. been known to fall asleep, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, if, if people are interested mm. in volunteering, as you say, that there has to be something in it for them mm. 
you know, and if, if they're getting to pursue their interest or learn a new skill, get to meet some people, mm-hmm. do you know. But the other thing as well, which ties into volunteering generally, and at the museum as well, is that it's a good place for, say, a photography student. Mm-hmm who is looking to build up a portfolio or someone who's wanting to get into podcast production or someone who wants to do social media as a career and they want to be able to put on their CV Mm -hmm. I did a year of volunteering at this small museum and here's the, you know and it's also about some people might have ideas that you didn't think you needed and Mm, actually they come in and they go oh, right, okay, that could actually really work Yeah. yeah I mean, we put out a call just a few days ago, or yeah. last, last week or last so, week, I think it was. Um, looking for new volunteers. I mean, we can take anyone at any time, but we had two people come in this morning, one who just moved to the village like two months ago, um, and another lady who's been here a bit longer. And they both discovered a mutual interest in something that we're only vaguely aware of. Yeah but that we can actually use to promote the museum, get people know, you know, let people know about the museum, about the village. And the two of them are now off with their own wee project. Yeah. But it, and they only so met this morning. They only met this morning. <laughs> but they're helping us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're getting to know each other. It'll help them get to know other people in the village. In the course of what they're doing, they'll learn more about the village, and we can help them with learning more about the village. Yeah. And that's what little local museums should really be about. Well, I think in many small villages there is a focal point. Mm. A lot of the time it's maybe the school or the nursery or the church. or different ages of people, you see. Well, this is the thing. Mm. And a museum could be that. It's a pinch point where everything comes together, isn't it? The museum has the potential to kind of join all those, Mm. you know, groups of mums or groups of old people or... Yeah, it has that potential. Students, it has that potential. middle-aged women. Putting that one out there. Um, I don't know any of those. No, me neither. (laughs) None none whatsoever. But it's also about, you know, if if you have something that you are passionate about... Mm. And you think, oh, I could support this, or I could, I've got these skills, I could do this, I could do that. You know, you, you don't have to have lived in Abernethy for 97 no. generations of your family. You don't have to be no. an expert I on history. I don't live in Abernethy. No. I've exactly. never lived in Abernethy. No. Exactly. Neither have I, to be honest. Um, I'm along the road. I've never lived in the parish of Abernethy. <laughs> I, I have, but I don't know. But, yeah. you know, we don't have any skill in producing a podcast. No. And I have minor skills. <laughs> no, they're a lot better. But you're than developing ever. your skills to yeah, support exactly. us. And it's it's kind of that thing where you know everybody has to feel they've gained something out of it, and if yeah. people are able to learn a new skill yeah. or improve a skill or bring their expertise and help other people to learn about their mm-hmm. passion, um, yeah. you know, it's. I mean, it's kind of making us think about the different projects that. Mm. We, so we can offer people projects um, and I think some people rather than committing long term to coming in you know, every Saturday between May and October and it's a bit of a long term thing <coughs> Excuse me. I think one of the things about getting younger people in is giving them shorter term projects mm-hmm. so 
you know, we're, we're going to do an inventory project at some point um, as part of our journey to accreditation. But that's a thing that... So there'll be an element of that that someone could actually do at home. Mm-hmm. So someone takes a shelf, you know, lists everything that's on it, if it's got accession numbers, if it doesn't, redescriptions. And that'll all, that can all be on a sheet. And then someone who might not might not even be able to get out of the house but has computer skills mm-hmm. could actually take that and then put it into a spreadsheet that then we can use to start start updating the inventory and, um, and it can also be something that that people dip in and out of I mean I yes. think people may be slightly put off the whole front of house thing because that kind of is a regular commitment mm-hmm. do you know you have to yeah. be available at least one day a month kind yeah. of thing um, but the, the backroom stuff I'm do, I don't know why I'm doing air quotes. Nobody can see me doing air quotes. We can see you. You can, see, can me. see you. I can um, practically hear the air quotes. <laughs> sorry. Um, what was I saying? Chunting and on. Back right. Room <laughs> yeah. Back so room. the backroom stuff, I can loosely call it that. You don't have to be able to come down every Saturday. No. Do you know, if, if you've got a bit of time, mm. come down. We can put you to work. Yeah. You might love it and want to come the next week. That's fine. You might not be able to come back for three months that's also fine you know yeah. it's that's the whole thing I think people especially people who are organising volunteers sometimes mm-hmm. forget and I see this at, at work a lot as well volunteers aren't your workforce you're not paying them you can't no. tell them you have to be here on these hours on these you know they're giving willingly of their time so you need to make it mm-hmm. worth their while to do that mm-hmm. it needs to be interesting and mm-hmm. engage people's attention I'll I mean, pack I, away my soapbox now <laughs> <laughs> I know like the vast majority of museums have volunteers. Mm. Uh, I mean, I volunteer in Perth Museum as well. Traitor. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not. This is it. And, you know, one of the things that in the intro um, I always mention is access and resources that little museums need. But these next networks actually help us access these resources. I wasn't, I wasn't. No, joking. I know you were only joking. I love Perth Museum very dearly and I love the archive <laughs> even more dearly. I love the texts we get from Irene about her jollies in Perth Museum. I should yeah. start sending you texts about my jollies in the archive. You should. Yeah, It'd all be jobbies. Well, it, yes. So You're not allowed to say some things. Th- yeah, there, there are things yeah. that have to be that I've, I've seen. Not bad She's things. She's seen things. She's seen things. But because, unfortunately, the new, the brand new, fabulous Perth Museum is opening at Easter, the weekend that we are actually open. But the things that are going in that museum, and because I've been helping out in the past couple of years now, helping to, you know, prepare things and select things and pack things that are going into the museum, the things I'm getting to see... Is so and touch. research and, and yeah, you know, because we all know the, the current slash old Perth Museum, yeah, there was more stuff on in the bowels of Absolutely. it than yeah. there ever was on display, and so there'll be things that are coming out now. There are some wonderful no. since they went in, no, I, you know, haven't had regular access to the the stores in Perth Museum mm. you see wonderful things it's like my god that should be out and they have got much better probably in the past five years I think uh, their temporary exhibits are a bit more interesting mm. 
Um, and you know, these paintings that they've oh, got God, yeah. are incredible. I mean, there's a there's a painted panel, and this is a, I've got several right. favourite. Are you allowed to tell us about yeah. this? Yeah. No, no, this is. She's not there, saying it's going in the museum. I'm not saying, saying it's going it in the museum. It exists. There's a painted panel mm. from St John's Church, and I believe the date it was painted was 1558. Wow. Which is a year before the Reformation, when most of these well, technically right. medieval iconography yeah. was destroyed. destroyed. And this survived. It is the, I believe it? it's the patron saint of the Glovers Incorporation. Mm. So I wonder if maybe that's why it survived. But it was painted just before the Reformation. Wow. And we all know that the Reformation started in Perth. It did. So Other, if anything, that would have been the ceremonial burn everything to the ground. That, that, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the that's Reformation where it started. kicked off in St John's Kirk. Yeah. St Andrew's trying to take it as well, but that's no, about a fortnight later. Us. We can start a much better Rami, much quicker. Oh, definitely. They can keep the beggar's venison if they want. <gasps> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit rude. That's a little bit I'm rude. not talking about that on air. Not today. That's not. the Susan Morrison special. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll leave our her. friend Susan. Um, but that does that. segue us quite nicely into what you were we were talking about earlier around all the church stuff that we're pulling oh. together. Nice segue, Anna. We're I getting better so. at this. Yeah. We should probably not draw attention to it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things we're doing for the 2024 season, which we kind of have a... We open for Easter. Um, just open that weekend, run some kids' activities, things like that. But we don't actually open again until the first weekend in May. So one of the things we're doing for that is we are revising some of our church um, exhibit. Um, there's, there's, we've got church stuff in the museum, but it's actually it's actually all just information. It's photos and mm-hmm. you know panels and things. So young Anna and I have had a look through our database to see what we've got, the like actual objects that relate to the church. Um, so we've been working through those we've got a list, we've got other stuff that actually isn't on our database which we're finding um, and we're trying to see what it is hmm. that we can actually put on display we're looking for some really nice unusual things that are very specific yeah. you know to Abernethy this is not, oh look here's a, a general bible here's a cross here's a cross <laughs> We don't have any of them, no. actually. No, no, no. Um, the Moncriefs would be geothermically heating the village. <laughs> so we've shared a couple of these things on um, social Socials. media lately, on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook. Uh, and Instagram. And Instagram as well. Anna's in charge of that stuff. So I send the pictures and a little bit of words, and she makes it interesting. Um, so one of the really nice things we've got are copies of the seals of the ancient church of Abernethy um, this is something else that the British Museum stole <laughs> so the original seals are in the British Museum um, and we have impressions of the seals but even these were done in 1893 mm. so 
I'm not sure if we've mentioned before, there is a, a book about Abernethy, Ancient Church and Parish, by the Reverend Dougal Butler. I love the name Dougal. Dougal's a fabulous name. He, yeah, the, his church history, I think, was quite good, but other general history he, of the parish was... It would probably be tactful to say that the Reverend Brown Butler... Butler. Whoever, Butler. Why do I think Brown? Didn't let little things like facts get in the way of a no, good story. No. Bless them. No. But we have these seals, which are fabulous, and they will both definitely be on display in um, May 2024. Now, do we know... Have they been pinched from the British Museum? No, it says they were done by Dr Butler. Do I'd I love mean, to know when the they... the originals that are in the British Museum? How did he get the copies? When did when did the copies go to the British Museum? Would be well, what, or the originals, rather. When did they... Oh, we don't have that information. But Let's phone the British Museum. I think we should. Well, uh, do you know what? I will have a look, because the... British Museum... I'm just worried the guy who was pinching stuff from the British Museum's pinched the seals. Oh, I, I don't think they're... they're, they're they have no intrinsic they're not real value, value. Do they? No. I'm not sure if the, the British Museum catalogue is actually online. Some museums are fabulous. Theirs is probably so vast. Yeah, mm. I know. It might be difficult. But, do you know what? I'll investigate. It doesn't hurt us. And even if we can get photographs of God, the originals. Have you gone to London? I've just been to London. And I went to the British Museum. God's sake. I know. And I went to see the Parthenon marbles. Is that what the official... I thought it was... I didn't know if it was the Greek marbles or the Parthenon marbles. No, it's the Parthenon. They seem I to be getting referred to the, the Parthenon. I saw them when they were the... Elgin marbles. Yeah. In the British Museum. <laughs> they seem to be getting referred to as the Parthenon marbles now. Um, yeah, so we have the, the seals, which are quite. Anna, I think we need a jaunt to London. A jaunt to London. Yeah, we could do that well, at some point. Yes. I've got a good hotel that Ken and I stay in when we go down like twice a year. Same. Um, Remind me about jaunts later on. Okay. Um, another rather cool thing, which was also shared on social media, are metal dies for striking. Communion tokens. These are from the parish church in 1863. Uh, they have "Do this in remembrance of me" on them, which is from First Corinthians 9:24, which is also stamped on the token. Which is how yeah, I she know. didn't memorize. No, I did. <laughs> I must admit, I did go and get a Bible and check. Well, no, I didn't. I googled it. <laughs> I did Google it. Bible.com. No, I think it probably does. It probably does yeah. I think it does. I think it does. But the other thing that we have quite a lot of copies of is the John Brown self-interpreting Bible. Um, some of these, these are big, big, huge, huge. Was that what you had out when I yeah, came that's in? what I was putting. I was putting away. House. Yeah, a lot of people seem to have had them, but the because so John John Brown was a secessionist minister in Glasgow in the late 18th century. Um, but he was born near Abernethy, Kirpu. He was a shepherd, and he tended a sheep up on the hills above Abernethy. But he was quite a clever shepherd, and he basically taught himself Greek and Latin. Wow. Yeah, really clever guy. And he tried to join the secessionist seminary that was based in Abernethy, which was run by Alexander Moncrief, my, my main yeah. man. But... 
the anti-burger secessionists were the kind of really, really conservative really guys. And they had actually opposed the repeal of the Witchcraft Act. Right. Mm. Mm. But John Bryan had, was so clever, without having had any formal teaching, that he was accused of getting his learning from the devil, so he wasn't actually allowed to enter the school. Instead, he went to Ebenezer Erskine's secessionists, so they were the burger school in Dunfermline. Um, so he was still a secessionist. He still ended up in the secessionist branch of the church, but he had to go to school in Dunfermline. But he because was the, the twig on the branch. Because the, the, yeah, the locals wouldn't have him. Um, so, yeah, John Brown was a, a very famous man from Abernethy to do with the church. So we will be putting one of these um, Bibles in our exhibit with the story about, uh, about John, John about Dr. John Brown. Well, he um, would be if he did his yes. divinities. Shepherd, Dr. John. Shepherd. Well, do you know what? M-M- Anyone? M-A-D-D or D-D-M-A, depending on which range you put the M-A-D-D. postnomials. Mm. We always got to, to put the most recent first. But okay. I think historically it was first degree first. Right. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. As an aside, I was about to say I don't have multiple degrees, but that would you be a lie. Do. That would be <laughs> a huge lie. <laughs> She's mama. So Are you mama? No, I'm. I'm misk millet. Misk millet. No, I'm raised. I'm technically I'm raised. Yeah. yeah, but I think the awards M M S C. Yeah, Dundee don't do an M raise. What are you then? Ed, Fed. I'm not saying it's a bit good. <laughs> I, uh, if you want the absolute whole lot, if I can remember them all, MRSPH, PhD, MSC, PG Dip, MAOs. Oh, I've got a PGC in there too. I've got a BA. I don't have a first degree. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Which, kids, if you're sorry. listening, just indicates there is no wrong path. No, there is absolutely no do wrong path. Do the stuff you enjoy and doing. And anyone can do anything. And if you love what you do and take it step by step, Anything is possible. Yes. You too could end up on a podcast in a very cold museum on a Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Talking rubbish. Talking rubbish. Right. Anyway, we were talking about jaunts. Um, We were talking about jaunts, yes. And I'm just thinking we could could tie some jaunts together here. We could. If we were going down to have a look at the British Museum, because we could go via Berwick. Yes. What's in Berwick, I hear you ask. Irene, what's, would you like to tell what's us? What's in Berwick, I hear you ask. Is that ask. a bit more subtle, Katie? That, that was <laughs> seamless. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, History Scotland, um, the magazine, which could also give us some sponsorship, um, but also of which my one of my supervisors is uh, one of the editors. Hi, Alan. <laughs> give us some money. Because I'm sure you're listening. Um yeah, so this was, this was in the latest uh, edition of History Scotland. The Borders Museum in Teviotdale has just, or is about to open, a new Mary Queen Scots exhibit. And they have, from a private collector, got on display a 16th century wooden chair that was used by Mary Queen of Scots for her religious devotions. So she read the Bible? She, or, or yeah. This was Mary Queen. It's, it's very it's beautiful. Very beautiful. You know, so this is obviously pre-Loch Leven. Well, yes, <laughs> because post-Loch Leven she wasn't going to really be sitting no, many places. No, <laughs> I, 
don't know because following Mary's execution, the chair was recovered and hidden. So it might actually have mm. been might actually have been um, around the same time. It might actually not have been that that late. Mm. Yeah, but we'll no, find out more if we go on a wee road trip this yeah. summer. Is it just been passed down families or something? I, th I think it's one of these things that someone has probably squirrelled away while someone wasn't looking. Mm. Yes. And um, it's just been passed, it's, been passed you know, down It's, it's family. survived the Reformation. It's survived various bits of religious factionalism, shall well, we say, <laughs> over the centuries. Yeah, it's that. survived all of that. It's well, apparently this is it returned to Scotland for the first time. Since 1568. Mm. Elizabeth liked it, took it, she took it. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, because it would be in the British Museum, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, it would be in the British Museum. Yeah. But what a fascinating thing for, for yeah, that I thought museum that was to have. I mean, that, really, really cool. Yeah, and we definitely have to go and look at it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I must admit, I'd never heard of the Borderlands Museum until oh. this article came up, and I immediately went, Oh, I need to go and see that. Yes. So hopefully for them it'll be be a, a really big draw. pool. Yeah. yeah. And it does show as well that if a museum, a, a very small museum, or a well, we, we assume they're small. We well, don't. or a lesser known museum, if they can get their hands on an exceptional mm. artifact, be it borrowed from a bigger museum or found from private collection. It could make huge draw a big yeah. crowd mm. or become a, make it a really big attraction. Yeah, absolutely. So the the Borderlands Museum is part of a kind of. It must all be on one site: the Celtic Goldsmith and the Johnny Armstrong Gallery. Mm. So there's there's an art and actually it's really neat, nice. Um, so there's a jewelry workshop which does some fabulous um, Celtic uh, jewellery. Um, yeah, actually it's like a really good yeah. place. I just had Berwick in my head. It might not actually. TV at Dale. Dale. Where's that? It is Please tell me it's near Berwick and I haven't just made that <laughs> up. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just check. She's, she's Googling while we speak. Basically, um, I just want to know if we're only a short drive from Annick so I can go to my bookshop. Oh, oh wow. Annick. I, do you know what? I think the road trip, she'd possibly not even go as far as London. I would no. just suggest. Let's Anik. just stop in Annick. Yeah. I think the car will be full if we stop in Annick. So we, 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 we may need to take Hoik. all the cars. It's Hoik. <laughs> Hoik. I knew there was a W in it. Yeah, it's hike. That's fine, that's not too it's far from that. It's really cool. I mean, I'm not even sure if it's a... Uh, I think it must be uh, an independent museum. Hmm. It looks fab. It does. Let's go with network. Indeed. It looks fab. Let's and then go buy books. Yes. So we can All go to Annick Castle. Yes. Which has a fabulous garden. Oh, is it the poison garden? Really good. Well, it's, the actual garden is wonderful. It's got a massive yeah. fountain that comes in the middle. It's got a white thorn tunnel hedge oh, that goes nice. up the side of the um, waterfall. It's got the poison garden. The castle itself is really nice. There's a little museum bit 
as part of Annick Castle of all the prehistoric stuff that one of the previous um, lairds uh, had dug up around the around the site. Um, and of course, it's got the massive bookshop. Best bookshop. Yeah, in a railway station. You may have to drag me out kicking and screaming. Oh, it's what? We may it, have to drag each other it out. It's actually huge. Should we just move down there? Yeah. Well, it's either that or we all go to Inverness and do the bookshop Airbnb. Oh, I didn't know about that. You can you can stay the night in a bookshop if you run the bookshop. Oh. It's like a community-owned oh, like up, nice. up north. Yeah, you'd never get us out there. We'd just yeah. move in. We do, we don't actually. We'd just end up going to Leakey's and stay in, wouldn't we? Yeah. So yeah, weekend road trip to Annick. Yeah, I think. And go via. Like, it's could, researched. We could go it. to Annick and Hoyk at the same time. The thing is, right, and I'm going to pull us back. Yes. Going to be like pull us back to Abernethy again. Seamless. All seamless. All these trips that we do. Give us ideas. Yes. yes. They they let us network. They give us ideas of how to interpret our own collections, and I think it, it's really important for little museums mm. to to reach out and bring ideas in. Sometimes Definitely. I think people just get too focused on like our stuff and yeah, like this is the way it's always been done. Yeah, I, it's really important for little museums and little communities to be able to link what they've got and what they're doing to what's happening in the wider museum world and in the wider world in general. Absolutely. I mean, that's why you don't see it so much with history, but with other things. Like, I know that up in Angus, the Angus Alive, which is like their equivalent of PKL or something Mm. like that, is creating an entire food and drink trail for tourists and mm-hmm. it's linking you know because obviously you've got Arbroath for the Smokies and the mm. jam makers and things like mm-hmm. that and they're actually creating or have created maps for people if you like whiskey here's a good trail yeah. if you're a foodie then here's the places to stop well that's quite good and you, you get them obviously you've got the Speyside whiskey trail and, and B-side and everything else but you get them, but you don't see it so much with history and maybe that is because yeah. they have been, each museum or site has been more inward looking and actually there is scope to do a kind of Visit Scotland-esque historical well, we, tour around the country. We did do a bit of trailblazing, was it a couple of years ago? With the, the witches walk, mm-hmm. which yeah. we're in the process of trying to get some proper yeah, maps gonna, printed up for people. We're going to get that printed um, off properly. But yeah, the, yeah. Hoyk and Annick are quite a distance apart. How far? They're almost parallel in the country. It's but fine. like Annick is on the east and Hoyk is in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. That's only going to be a couple of hours at the most, I think. Mm. If there's an electric car charging point, we're fine. There's no road straight between them. How inconsiderate is that? There must be, though, because I've gone to Newcastle by going down to Carlisle and cutting across, and it can't be that different. We'll figure it out. Alex on the A1 and Hoyk's on the A7. I was going to say, Listeners, if any of you knew, if any of you know the direct route between Hoyk and Annick, yeah, please tell us. Drop or us a if line. You have a helicopter. A helicopter. I'm Challenge not, I am not going in a helicopter. Challenge Anna! <laughs> Get the hot pants on. It would be like B.A. Barakas, you'd have to knock me out to get me in a... 
that's dating myself a bit. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. They remade it. Stick me in a case and call me an exhibit. Well, yesterday is history. Today is still a mystery. Indeed. And what a day it's going to be tomorrow. These are things my gran used to say. We're getting but old. But that's history. That's I know. Well, no, absolutely. That's us getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really wish to confront that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's happy. Yeah, have we gotten completely off track again? Actually, no, Absolutely. we haven't. No, not really. But I think the thing is, maybe that is our new year's resolution for 2024, is we do more jobs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, our, our first jaunt is going to be into Perth on the 28th of February. Oh, yeah, yeah. 28th of February. Our um, friend of our museum, Dr. Andrew Tibbs, renowned Romanist. Romanologist. Romanologist. <laughs> Some of you might have seen, sorry, that's a bit American. Some of you might have um, seen him at our Doors Open Day event last September. September. Yes. And he came and did a talk for Vastly us. Vastly oversubscribed. Um, and Andrew also redid our Kerpu panels for us upstairs. Uh, and he's currently, or he tells me, he's working on redoing our Hillfort stuff as well. So We're keeping him busy. We're keeping him busy. He's a good lad, Andrew. He's a good volunteer. He's a good he volunteer. is. So on the... Sure, it's the 28th. It is, 28th, Wednesday, 28th of February. Um, Andrew is doing a book signing for his latest book, The Final Frontier, Romans early, Scotland's Early Roman Landscape. Um, so he's going to be in Waterstones in Perth from 6 o'clock. So you can come along, buy a copy of his book. It's free. See, no, the book's not free. The book's not free. No, the event's free. <laughs> the event's yes, the free. The book's not free. Um, you get to see Andrew in all the splendour. Get to see us. And you possibly yes. get to see us is he as well. Yeah, I think he is signing. Um, does it say he's actually signing? And will we recognise any other names in this book? Um, no, I don't think so. Are you not in it? I don't think so. You're not acknowledged. I don't know. I never check. I spend quite, or have spent quite a lot of time with Andrew out trailing about. That's what I mean, because yeah. I imagine some of the stuff he did a couple of years ago further yeah. up the road would feature. Yeah, I don't know. He knows, I know that he loves me. <laughs> he doesn't need to put it in he writing. He doesn't need to put it in writing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it always helps your citations post-PhD. Oh, I never thought about that. If I can be cynical for <laughs> most of my I was going to say for a second, but it has been most of my life, really, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah so... Um, so you, what time is that? So it's from six o'clock in Waterstones in Perth. I've never been to... No, I've never been to kind of a, a book thing in a bookshop before, cool. no. But then you were a bookseller. Yeah. Um, but I've been to them I as an audience person yeah. as well. I had to cover one of the Harry Potter Midnight releases at Oh, mm. right, yeah. I think it depends. I mean, if it's... No disrespect at all to Andrew, but Stuart McBride writes crime fiction and has an absolutely vast... Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a gaggle you know, of older women. Yes. Um, I think I remember that when I had a ticket to go and see it and then ended up in hospital and didn't get to go. Um, 
Do you know, I think it depends what they think the attendance yeah, is going to be like. I, I where think they, it's good that a history book oh, is actually absolutely. getting that, yeah. you know, getting that exposure. Absolutely. Yeah. A biggest book chain in the UK? Mm, yeah, it mm, must. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, them and WH Smith are probably the two. I don't think, yeah, I think Morrison's probably edges it yeah. slightly. Yeah. No, I think it's no, really it's, good. No, it's great that, it's that a history book is getting this exposure. Good yeah, because, you know, if he does, you go to one Waterstones, maybe you get invited to other Waterstones. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, no, well, it's fine. I will be working, unfortunately, probably, but if I can wangle a couple hours off, I might make it alone. Well, do, do the papers cover things like this? Potentially. Yeah. Dropping that in there so subtly. <laughs> seamless. That's the word seamless. for today. Seamless. seamless. Absolutely seamless. Yeah, yeah. So that's our our friend Andrew Tips, who is a lovely man. He's got a broken toe just now. So if you do come along, don't stand on his big toe. <laughs> hopefully it's healed by the Hopefully it's healed by the 20th of February. Yes. The of February. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, more jaunts. More jaunts. More jaunts. The um, Scottish History Society conference yes. is coming up before too long. It's on Saturday, sixteenth of March. I think we'll, have re- we'll be recording another yeah. podcast before Maybe then. Be um, looks really interesting. Programs um, are out yet, though. Is programs not out yet. No, um, but I do know that one um, Dr Alan R MacDonald is speaking at it my other supervisor <laughs> so she I have so much supervision <laughs> <laughs> we could have told them that we've well, got two supervisors enough um, enough yes Alan, Alan MacDonald is um, speaking at it and where is this do we know so it's in Edinburgh um, it, I don't think we know where yet though do I we I don't think so it'll probably be in the University of Edinburgh but the actual venue is not um not yet made public. It's not yet revealed, but and there, there's no um, you can't sign up yet. You can't sign up yet. But if you are interested, if you keep an eye on the Scottish History Society website, then the information I'm sure will come up there quite soon. Anna and I are certainly going. Kate can come if she wants. That doesn't sound terribly welcoming. Well, do you we know, would love you to join us. We Katie. would love you to join us. We could get on the posh bus. Oh, we could, we get, could get on the posh bus. Yeah, we could. We could get the posh bus. Need bus bums on the posh bus, apparently. Yeah. <gasps> but then you get into Edinburgh and you get a few bums. Just walk. Just walk. It's not that far. Oh, well, that's true. Depends. It depends so, on the actual venue. Now think think about yeah. this. I am probably the laziest one of the three of us. If and I'm saying it's that, not that far. Yeah. It's no. not bad. No. We'll take our shiny new bags. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about handbags no, on the history podcast. No. One day podcast. they'll be historical handbags. Well, as and soon that as that might be the focus uh, of my master. <laughs> <laughs> you can have an exhibit. These, these shiny handbags were owned by the history of contributors handbags. to well, the Archives you, podcast. You may laugh. However, in particularly in Paris, but more and more now, there are historical exhibitions of design houses and fashion designers. So there's a big Louis Vuitton exhibition, and there is a big Chanel one and a Dior one, and they go, and it is the because some of these are now well over a hundred years mm, yeah. old, and it's maybe the original, you know, Mister Givenchy who started it. 
and it's looking at it's a retrospective of his career. He's now passed away. So it is actually, I think, more and more you're going to start seeing the history of the handbag or mm-hmm. the heel. Mm. Or, cause I think Christian Louboutin might be doing something similar at some point soon. So If we take you, you have to promise not to try and steal the shoes. No promises. We've seen you in the Louboutin shop. Yeah. But, I mean, some of these... Some of these high couture houses have been on the go for a long time mm. some of them probably started late 1800s yeah 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 oh I've just thought about House of Elliot mm. there was a TV programme yeah. called House of Elliot did you ever watch it mm-hmm. I think so was it long the 1920s yes. yes it was on it must have been on BBC these two Women who just did their, did their own had their own design house. It's fabulous. Yeah. So I might be able to wrangle it into history at some point. Yeah. But the V&A, you know, because it's a design museum, they've done a lot of um, costume stuff. Yeah. So I mean, have they, the McQueen have, have yeah. they had sparkly handbags? They did for the Alexandra McQueen. Yeah, London. they're all looking mm-hmm. handbags. Well, if you're listening, V&A. Bring the McQueen. <laughs> sparkly. Yeah, fashion reflects design, or design yeah. reflects, you know, there are fashions in design, so, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Anyway, we do digress. digress. Yes, um, I think that's covered your list. I think we've covered the list today. We didn't, we we didn't get well. to talk about jobbies today, but fear oh, not. Oh, Jana, jobby slot. Fear not. Oh my God, please don't. <laughs> do you know how, how wrong that sounds? <laughs> <laughs> how very wrong that sounds. I will. I will have a, a more that actually helps a, a bit. It lets me have a more okay. complete update. Gives on you more comprehensive village jobby, story. jobby arrangements right, in days okay. gone by for cool. next time. Jobby well, slot. my God, <laughs> <laughs> that's ended me. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, if we'll you've got this far, really, thank you yeah, very much for this far, Really, thank you, and uh, we'll be about in another month or so. Thank you. Bye. Bye.